Good morning, everybody. This is Ellie Moon. You are listening to Lyrical Audio Candy Tour. This is where we explore books, poetry, and quotes that please every taste. So, come on. Let's go. (laughs) Literary treats. Oh, wait. Welcome back to the reading of Dangerous Liaisons, a book by Pierre Chevelon de Laclan. It is a book of letters between characters, and the letters tell the story. If you're joining me for the first time, I usually give you about three to five letters between characters every episode. This time, it's a very, very long letter from one character to the other. Her name is Malquise de Montreuil, and she's writing to the Vicomte de Valmont. They're conspiring. They're conspiring for revenge. She wants him to seduce the wife-to-be of her ex-lover. Yes, that's what's going on. So, hang tight for the reading. Letter 63. <laughs> Letter 63, The Marquise de Maltoy to the Vicomte de Valmont. Indeed, I will explain Donsony's note. The occasion of it is my own doing, and I like to think that it is my chef de voie. I have not wasted any time since your last letter, and like the Athenian architect, I have said, what he has said, I shall do. So our romantic hero is slumbering in felicity and needs a few obstacles placed in his way. Then let him come to me with his problem. I shall give him plenty to do. And if I am not mistaken, his sleep will no longer be so peaceful. He needed to be shown that time flies, and I flatter myself that at present he is regretting the time he has wasted. You say, too, that he needed more mystery. Well, that need will be met from now on. It can be said to my credit that all you have to do is to show me where I have gone wrong, and I do not rest until I have made proper amends. Let me tell you, then, what I have been doing. On returning home the day before yesterday, in the morning, I read your letter. I thought it most enlightening. I was convinced that you indicated very clearly the cause of the problem, and my one concern was to find a way of dealing with it. However, the first thing I did was go to bed, for the indefatigable Chevalier had not allowed me a moment's rest, and I thought I must be sleepy, but it was not at all the case." Donsny was on my mind the whole time. I was unable to sleep a wink for thinking how much I wished to drag him out of his inertia or punish him for it. And it was only after I had realized my plan that I was able to get a couple of hours rest. That same evening I went to Madame de Volange's house, and as planned confided in her that I was sure there existed a dangerous liaison between her daughter and Donsny. This woman, so discerning where you are concerned, 
was so blinded in this case, she immediately replied that I must be mistaken, that her daughter was a child, etc., etc. I could not tell her everything I knew, but I provided some instances of how they looked at one another and what they said and told her how shocking it was to me with my standards and bearing in mind our close friendship. Well, I was almost as eloquent as a devotee. And just to ram the point home, I went as far as to say that I thought I had seen a letter being given and received. That reminds me, I added, that one day while I was there, she opened a drawer in her writing desk, and I could see a great many papers inside, which she was no doubt preserving. Do you know if she's having a frequent correspondence with someone? Here Madame de Volange's face changed, and I saw her eyes moisten. I thank you, my dear friend, she said, wringing my hand. I shall take steps to shed light on the situation. After that conversation, which was too short to arouse suspicion, I approached the young lady. Soon afterwards, I left her to ask her mother not to compromise me in the eyes of her daughter, which she agreed to all the more willingly when I made her see how useful it would be if the child trusted me enough to be completely frank with me, for it would put me in a position where I could give her the benefit of my wise counsel. What reassures me that she will keep her word is that I am positive she wishes her daughter to think her most perceptive. I thought, in that way, I would be justified in keeping on friendly terms with the girl without appearing to be false in the eyes of Madame de Volange, which is what I wished to avoid. The consequence being that my position would be even better, since I could stay with the young person for as long and as secretly as I wished, without the mother ever taking exception to it. I made use of my advantage that very evening. After my game was over, I cornered the girl and got her talking about Danceny, a subject on which she never dries up. I amused myself by exciting her with the prospect of seeing him the next day. I made her say no end of silly things. I had to compensate her and hope for what I was depriving her of in reality. And all that will make the blow even harder. For I am persuaded that the more she suffers, the more anxious she will be to make up for it at the first opportunity. In any case, it is good to accustom someone to major calamities if they are destined for life's great adventures. After all, it is not worth a few tears for her to have the pleasure of possessing her Don's knee. She is besotten with him. Well, I promise she will have him, and even sooner than she would have without this upset. It is a bad dream from which waking will be delightful. And, when all is said and done, it seems to me she owes me a great debt of gratitude. In fact, if I have been rather wicked, well, one has to amuse oneself. 
Here's a quote for you. Fools are on earth to keep us all amused. This is by Grisette Le Machant. So I left much pleased with myself. Either I reckoned Donsney will be spurred into action by these obstacles in his path and will become more amorous than ever, in which case I shall do my utmost to help him. Or, if he is nothing but a fool, as I am sometimes inclined to think, he will be in despair and accept defeat. So... In that event, at least I shall have had my revenge on him, in so far as I can, and, in so doing, I shall have increased the mother's respect for me, the daughter's friendship, and the confidence of both. As for Jacon, the principal object of my attentions, it would be extremely unfortunate, or inept of me, if I did not find plenty of ways to guide his future's wife's thinking in whatever manner I wish, since she is now, and will be even more in the future, under my tutelage. I went to bed with these happy thoughts, and so I slept well and woke late. On waking, I found two notes, one from the mother and one from the daughter, and I could not help chuckling when I found literally the same sentence in both. It is from you alone that I may hope for consolation. It is pleasing, would you not say, to offer consolation for and against, and to be the only agent of two directly contrary interests. I am like the deity, receiving the opposing wishes of blind mortals and not changing my immutable decrees one whit. And yet I have abandoned this august role to take on that of comforting angel and have accordingly been to visit my friends in their affliction. I started with the mother. I found her in such a pathetic state that this already avenges you partly for what you have to put up with from her. With regard to your beautiful prude, everything passed off to perfection. My one anxiety was that Madame de Volange might profit from the moment to gain the confidence of her daughter. It would have been very easy to do had she spoken to her as a friend, offering her reasonable advice with a look and a tone of indulgent tenderness. As luck would have it, she armed herself with severity. In fact, she conducted herself so badly that I could only applaud her. It is true that she thought she could destroy all our plans by the decision she had taken to put Cecile back in the convent. But I fended this off, and I enjoined her simply to leave the threat of it hanging over her daughter in the event of Donsney continuing his suit, and in order to force them both into circumspection, I believe necessary to success. Then I went to see the daughter, You would not credit how beautiful she is in her grief. I guarantee that if she were trying to be charming, she would often be in tears. This time, 
It was not a ploy. At first, I was very struck by this new allurement, which I had not previously encountered, and which I was very glad to observe, and I only offered consolation in a clumsy fashion, which made her feel worse rather than better. And thus I brought her to a point where she really did seem to be suffocating. She was no longer weeping, and for a moment I feared she might have convulsions. I advised her to go to bed, and she acquiesced. I took on the role of lady's maid. She had not yet begun to dress, and soon her fine hair fell down over her shoulders and bosom, which were entirely uncovered. I kissed her. She let herself go into my arms, and her tears once more began to flow effortlessly. My God, how beautiful. Oh, if Magdalene was like that, she must have been much more dangerous as a penitent than sinner. When my grief-stricken beauty was in her bed, I set myself to consoling her in good faith. I reassured her first of all on the subject of the convent. I instilled in her the hope of seeing Donsney secretly. If only he were here, I said, sitting on the bed, then elaborating on the theme. I led her, by one distraction or another, to forget her suffering entirely. We would have parted totally content with one another if she had not wished me to take charge of a letter for Donsney, which I steadfastly refused to do. There are my reasons which you will surely approve of. First, I would be compromising myself with Donsney, and though that was the only reason I could give her, there are many more you and I might have between us. Would it not be risky, the fruit of my labors, to give our young friends so immediate a means of lessening their suffering? And then... I should not be displeased if I oblige them to implicate servants in this affair, for truly, if this succeeds as I hope, it will have to be made public immediately after the wedding, and there are few means more sure to put it about. Or, if by some miracle the servants did not talk about it, we would have to, you and I, and it would be more convenient for us to have them commit the indiscretions. So, you will have to communicate this idea to Donsney today, and, as I am not sure about the little Volange's chambermaid, whom she herself appears to distrust, I suggest he try my faithful Victoire. I shall take care that the stratagem succeeds. This idea pleases me all the more because the confidence will serve only our purposes, not theirs, for I have not finished telling my tale. While I was protesting about taking the girl's letter, I was afraid from one moment to the next that she was going to ask me to put it in the post, and I could not possibly have refused but as luck would have it, whether it was through worry or ignorance or perhaps because she was less concerned about the letter than the answer, 
which she would have been able to receive by this means, she did not mention it, but so that it should not enter her head or, at least before she could allude to it, I acted. And when I went back to her mother, I persuaded her to let her daughter go away for a while, to take her to the country. And where do you think? Does your heart not beat with joy? To your aunts, to your old Aunt Rosemonde. She is to let her know today. So there you are. You have permission to go back to your devotee, and she will not be able to object to the scandal of being there alone with you. And thanks to my care, Madame de Volange will herself repair the wrong she has done to you. Listen to me and do not be so occupied with your own affairs that you lose sight of this one. Remember, my interest in it I want you to appoint yourself go-between and advisor to these two young people. Tell Donsney about this visit and offer him your services. Let there be no difficulty in the way except of getting your credentials into the hands of his beauty and remove that obstacle immediately by indicating that my maid will convey them. There is no doubt whatsoever he will accept and, as the reward for your pains, you will have the confidence of an innocent heart. Something which is always worth having. Poor little thing. How she will blush when she gives you her first letter. Truly the role of a confidant. So frowned upon these days. Seems to me a pleasant way of amusing oneself when one is busy with other matters which you will be. The denouement of this intrigue depends on you. You must judge when the moment arrives for the reunion scene. There are always a hundred opportunities in the country, and Donsney, for sure, will be ready to play his part the moment you give the sign. Nightfall, a disguise, a window, what else? But anyway, if the girl comes back still in the state in which she went, I shall blame you for it. If you are of the opinion that she needs some encouragement from me, tell me. I believe I have given her a good enough lesson on the dangers of keeping letters that I may dare to write her at present, and I still intend to keep her as my pupil. I think I forgot to tell you that her suspicions on the subject of her betrayed correspondence fell first of all upon her chambermaid, and I diverted them on to the father confessor, thus killing two birds with one stone. Adieu, Vicomte. This is a very long letter, and because of it I am late for lunch. But my letter was dictated by friendship and self-esteem, and both have made me run on a bit. In any case, it will be with you at three o'clock, and that is all that is necessary. Now complain about me if you dare, and go back, if you feel so inclined, to the woods of the Comte de B. You say he keeps them for the entertainment of his friends. So, is the whole world his friend? But farewell. Luncheon beckons. From 9 September 17.
Well, that was enjoyable, wasn't it? It was actually really enjoyable to read, too. I probably didn't give her a little... <laughs> I probably didn't give her enough twang to her voice, but... I don't know. I gave as much twang as I could handle today. Yeah, I gave her as much sassiness as I could. So I hope you enjoyed my attempt at her voice today. Oh, I'm so tired. And uh, just to let you know, I did not sleep very well. I was woken up by my cat multiple times. So I feel a bit like a zombie. And hopefully tonight I can get some nice sleep. But anyway, that is that. And I want you to enjoy the rest of your day. All right, catch you at the next reading.